that in order to meet this moment, we have to recognize our California comeback. I think in my time, this is a very unusual and a very unique time. What I'm saying about the state today, it's an enterprising, modernizing, pluralizing, unionizing nation state. Hello, and welcome back to the Sacramento Bee's California Nation podcast. I'm Gil Duran, the opinion editor. In this episode, I speak with three experts who've advised previous California governors through big crises. We explore what Governor Gavin Newsom got right and what he got wrong in the state's coronavirus response. And we talk about what steps he can take to do better moving forward. The California experts on our panel are Elizabeth Ashford, who advised Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger and Governor Jerry Brown through wildfires and budget meltdowns, Steve Maviglio, who advised Governor Gray Davis during the energy crisis, and Joe Redotta, who was Governor Pete Wilson's cabinet secretary during the Northridge earthquake disaster. Here's our conversation, which aims to be critical, but also constructive. Governor Newsom is dealing with an unparalleled crisis. Uh, it's life or death, health crisis, as well as an economic crisis. He's a new governor without a lot of relevant experience, having spent the last year's last eight years as lieutenant governor, which is sort of a do-nothing job in, in California. And so I guess, the, I guess the first question I have for you three, uh, Elizabeth, Joe, and Steve, is uh, let's start on a positive note. What did Gavin Newsom get right at the beginning of this crisis? And Elizabeth, we'll start with you. Thanks, Gil. Well, you know, like they say, timing is everything. And, you know, what the governor really nailed was getting well ahead of the rest of the country. Um, in terms of just having a response that was, you know, at the time, cohesive and focused on, you know, using the science that they had available then. And, you know, as, as a result of that really early lockdown and early recognition that it was going to take some pain and some grief to, to keep things in check, you know, you look at California and we're at 7,600 odd deaths today, which of course is a tragic number. Um, but in a, state of 38 minimally million people it's still quite extraordinary and that i think was all about that early decision making he moved fast steve how about you what did what did newsom get right yeah i agree with that i mean he came out early he came out strong he was very authentic it was a a strong contrast to what we were seeing uh, from washington at that time and i guess still to today i think uh, he established trust which is crucial uh, and any kind of crisis. Uh, he surrounded himself with people in white coats and doctors and leading scientists, which is helpful. And he said he was going to talk about data and make his decisions based on data, which he did for a while. And uh, I th- also thought that, you know, embracing Trump in some way with a little bit of bipartisanship, which at first everybody was like, why are you doing that? It actually proved to be helpful at the time. So I, I, I thought all those things um, made him be a real leader in this. And that's why he drew the comparisons with Governor Cuomo for being on top of things. And as Elizabeth said, being out there early. Joe, how about you? What did Newsom get right? Uh, I, I, I agree with uh, both uh, Steve and Elizabeth. I, in a crisis like this, uh, you see the strengths and weaknesses of your political leaders uh, with clarity. And, and I would say the governor's strengths are that he is quick, he's decisive, and he's energetic. And so to Elizabeth's point, he did uh, act quickly. I think he also avoided, as Steve points out, um, wasting a lot of time and just uh, senseless arm wrestling with Trump. He kind of put that to the side and uh, focused on the job, which I think people appreciated. 
Yeah, I would, I would add to that. I think we all agree on the early lockdown being smart. Uh, I think what he's done with homelessness, attempting to get as far as he can with uh, uh, renting some hotels, buying some motels for the homeless and, and getting homeless people off the street during this crisis has been an impressive effort. We don't know whether it'll be successful or not in the end, but it was an example of being able to do more than more than one thing at a time. Now let's get to the other part of it, which is what did Newsom, what has Newsom gotten wrong since those early days when he impressed us all with the statewide lockdown. And, and Joe, I'll start with you because I know you have some thoughts on this. Well, he, um, uh, the subject of governor's weaknesses, I think it's been amply demonstrated. He tries to do too much um, uh, all at once. And so in a crisis, you really have a, a limited number of things you can do. And uh, I don't think the uh, governor's time has been spent on what I would think the governor should be spending time on in a crisis like this. I was um, cabinet secretary for Governor Wilson uh, uh, for several years, including the Northridge quake. And, and he focused on the big problem, which is getting the highways working again in a region that depended on freeways, right? So he's famous for the t uh, timely reconstruction of uh, Los Angeles freeway system. If you look at Governor Newsom, you've got this sort of all over the map. You have him spending cycles on regulating nail salons while prisoners are being transferred who have virus. And so, so the nail salon problem is not something I would have ever brought to attention of a governor. Uh, the prisons, however, that's, that's nearly 100,000 human beings, not counting staff, who are directly reporting to the governor. And the same thing with, um, the other point would be, um, you know, creating and launching a duplicative, what appears to be a duplicative senior meals program. Meanwhile, your unemployment insurance agency is a fiasco. So I think there's been a real lack of focus on the most important parts of, of the portfolio where you can get the most where the governor alone can make the most things happen, make, make something actually happen. I think that's been missing. Steve, how about you? Yeah, I mean, one of the biggest criticisms of this governor from the get-go has been he runs government with a press release every day, and there's not a lot of attention to follow up in detail, and I think we've seen that uh, repeatedly during this crisis. Um, one of the things I was impressed at at the beginning was the announcement of an economic task force where he would focus on the economy because we all knew that was going to be critical. But we haven't heard anything since from that. Um, I hear it's been bogged down in disagreement and a lack of focus and lack of attention within the horseshoe. But, you know, that was supposed to be a big thing. Didn't happen. Uh, we saw what happened with the King's donation. It was revealed that, oh, hey, by the way, we're paying a fortune for this. It wasn't part of the announcements. And then it became a big story, thanks to the B, because of that. So there was a lot of that. Uh, and we continue to see that. And I think that eroded some of the trust, which was so critical in this from the get-go. Yeah, I think there's been sort of this uh, phenomenon of, you know, caving into the vocal minority, which is troubling because, you know, it's like anything, um, uh, you're going to hear the most from the people who are unhappy and people who are um, going along with it or agree with it tend to be just less out there just by the nature of it. And I think we see this sort of again and again within the crisis, you know, um, you know, we see the sort of eroding of, of the stay at home orders because of, you know, what were relatively small protests, you know, in some of the beach communities, um, you know, you had demands from very rural counties to have more opening up and then just going ahead and, and doing that. Um, and then, you know, that had this cascading effect, um, you know, it, once you sort of let that 
you know, that hole in the, the dam open, it's going to burst. And, and then you really have the, the turning point of Elon Musk, which I think is, I don't think we can ever, you know, underestimate how important that moment was. You had, you know, somebody who has a manufacturing facility dare the governor to come and um, open it, uh, you know, uh, keep it closed rather. And, you know, as a result of that, um, sort of daring him to, to arrest him. And, and unfortunately, once that moment passed, it was just very obvious that there was inconsistency and I just think kind of, things kind of rolled on from there. So, you know, yeah, you listen to the vocal minority. I mean, during a crisis, you're going to have very upset people all the time, reaching out, contacting, raising, you know, all kinds of of uh, drama, but you have to stay focused on the essential services and the essential things. One thing I've heard that's a thread through what all three of you said is there's this sort of sensitivity or hyper-awareness in the Newsom administration of press, of public perception. You know, at the beginning of this, he was going on shows like Rachel Maddow to announce his mask deal. He was doing all these big national shows. The talking point, the main talking point seemed to be first in the nation, first in the nation. Then it turned out some of these first in the nation programs weren't all they were cracked up to be. Do you think that perhaps in the middle of all of this early on, Newsom, part of the error might have been being a little too attuned to his image and to maybe seeing an opportunity here for a public national profile that turned out to be a little more complicated, given where the narrative has now gone? Well, I note that uh, as soon as uh, the numbers started spiking in California, he started, he disappeared. Um, he's, not on, he's not seeking out these um, uh, high-profile national positions. Um, I would actually take issue with Elizabeth. I don't think uh, what we're seeing is a um, is you know caving to loud people in you know center, in small rural counties. Um, I think what uh, I think what a governor needs to do in this situation. I know if I were in the horseshoe, if I were in the governor's office at this moment, I know what job I would be assigned. I would be assigned how do we get the economy back and up and running. I mean the the, the acting early provided a window for us, uh, gave us, you know, spared us the carnage that we were seeing in New York City. However, we did experience the economic uh, uh, down, downturn very, very severely. So there, is, there, was, there, there should have been an, a sense of urgency around trying to safely get people back to work. And what there's, there's a disconnect with him uh, about, like, I think a good illustration is the beach, you know. So we, we know that outdoor activity can be done safely and people are hungry you look at the, the, the look at the numbers of people flooding into the parks to try to get out of their apartments to try to you know get some sanity and experience you know, some outdoor experience with their family you know, that that is something where a governor could actually have stepped in and say look we are going to deploy these assets we're going to use our parks we're going to use our beaches in an innovative way so that you can experience the outdoors, which we know you actually need. And so I think he set himself up in a confrontational role with, um, with many Californians that um, work to his detriment. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, th at the time that was happening, I think there was greater debate over, you know, what the risks were of outside activity. So, you know, I, I, I definitely recognize that our knowledge base about what's safe and what's not safe has changed over time. And that's, that's, that's good. True. And we need to, we need to continue to evolve like our policy, you know, based on that, right. New information comes in. One thing I do like about governor Newsom is that he's willing to change his mind, you know, and that's important. That's leadership uh, when you have new information. Um, but, you know, I, I do really wonder, um, you know, 
what really the demand was at that point to really go ahead and reopen, um, you know, spaces and, but more to the point than public spaces, Joe, you know, because I, I do hear what you're saying, you know, that was right ahead of starting to reopen lots and lots of businesses and lots of the places where people, we do believe sources of infection were, those seem to go hand in hand and not be considered differently so much. Um, and so that, that's, that's more, I guess, what I'm trying to get to is that I think we just had sort of this rush. <laughs> yeah, there was this time in, in late April, early May, where the churches were rebelling, certain counties were rebelling, Elon Musk jumped in there. And soon after that, it just seemed like everything just started opening up willy-nilly. Uh, Steve, were you going to say something? Yeah, I was going to say that was, to me, the essence of the issue here was there was a zigzag in policy. I mean, he was on the high end of things going with data, going with science, the curve was flattening, but it's not when you take your foot off the gas pedal when things are going good. You have to maintain that pressure. And I think Elizabeth pointed out that, that he'd caved a little bit politically. Um, and I think economically, he was you know, sort of second guessing himself. He saw what was going around the rest of the country where states were being way more broadly open than we were. And he felt the need to do that a little bit here. And I think that's really uh, bit him now. Uh, doing that because people were making investments in partial openings and now they're closed again. And it's, and, and people don't give him the same amount of credibility as they did because he literally changed his mind based on what he was saying at that time. I think Newsom should get points for his efforts to communicate directly to people. But obviously at some point, the Newsom at noon thing started becoming a bit of a joke, long-winded by the governor's own admission, a bit circular, certain buzzwords constantly get used, like foundationally, some words get made up, as uh, Joe and I were talking about before this broadcast began. But from a communications perspective, do you think the Newsom administration has learned any lessons through the course of this about uh, how to best deploy their, their main asset, the governor, uh, someone mentioned a minute ago that he's not rushing out there every day now to give these, give these briefings. Um, what do you think has been the takeaway from watching Newsom attempt to perform every day in this uh, communications capacity, Steve? Well, you know, to me, it's a bit much. I mean, there's many days where it seems what he says in an hour could have been said and done within 10 minutes. Um, a lot of times there seems to be a notion that he has to be out there to make an announcement about something. But again, going back to what I said earlier, there was no details behind it. And then reporters ask questions and then they become unanswered. And then you have a negative story instead of a positive story. Some of the early press conference he did, like at a hotel talking about homelessness, as you referenced, I think that was good that he actually got out and showed some empathy. Uh, we haven't seen a lot of that lately. That's when a governor as a communicator can really be effective. And, um, so, you know, uh, overall, I think he did a great job in the beginning. But again, as he backed away from where he was, we saw less of it. And we also had increased media scrutiny, media scrutiny that he has not engaged in fully. Uh, you're seeing a lot among the Sacramento Press Corps, and in particular, complaining about those sessions, that there's not allowed follow-up questions. And then that causes some more negativity and negative stories to brew up. So they really need to get a better handle on this, I think. Joe? You know, I think uh, Governor Brown uh, really had a sense for this sort of contract that uh, is formed and needs to be renewed constantly, the contract between an elected official and the public. And, uh, and there's this conversation, you need to build trust, you need to deliver, show empathy, but you have to understand what you're asking of the people. 
and and you have to pace yourself. And uh, and I think um, I don't think that's been going on uh, with uh, the governor's administration. I think he uh, I think he pushed California early and very hard. Um, and then and then now we're in this phase where I think uh, people don't feel confidence in the direction, uh, partially because of the numbers, but then also you know the average person out there. Uh, cannot draw a line between you know, a death in, or, or infection in San Quentin prison and their small business in you know, another county. You, know, uh, you see this in the New York, like the New York Times is, 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 is interviewing people who own gyms, who op- opened gyms, invested, and opened up gyms according to the guidelines. And because the nurse, in part because the nursing home deaths are skyrocketing in LA County, the gym is closed. And so people are actually, people have an intuitive sense. They are, they're observing their, what's going on. And then they look at their elected official. Does this person understand the pressure they're putting me under? And are they seeing at the street level what I'm saying? And I think that actually, that connection to the public has really been, has really uh, been undermined in recent weeks. Elizabeth, some takeaways from things that the Newsom administration needs to learn about communications during a crisis. Sure. Well, listen, what, I, I think, you know, things they've gotten right are consistency. Um, it, I mean, even though he's not in public as much, we have regular updates. I think that, um, you know, that, that is always reassuring to the public, just knowing that they're going to get additional information, even if it's not good. But I would say for the, the governor himself, any governor, you know, you can, either, you can either have frequency or you can have intensity. You know, when I was with Governor Schwarzenegger, we did events very, very frequently. When I was with Governor Brown, we did um, events infrequently with great intensity. And I think that, you know, putting those two together is extremely difficult and taxing. And so when I'm looking at Governor Newsom today, for whatever reason, I think that, you know, I think he feels he needs to do both. And I would say, you know, his main job is really that like senior leadership. It has to be like, you know, to Joe's point, I understand you. I understand you. You're a parent, you're a small business owner, you're a teacher. I understand you. You know, here are the things we are trying to do, but also kind of have to keep people scared. And I think one of the issues um, with some of those national um, hits that were done early on is that there was sort of a sense of optimism about them um, that I think, you know, really when you, when you look at a pandemic, which of course, nobody on this call, nobody, you know, in America has really gone through. Um, so I don't want to do too much Monday morning quarterbacking, but, you know, you have to keep people alarmed. And um, we saw no images of what it looked like in ICUs, you know, that, that kind of imagery, that kind of intensity, that stuff they were doing in Italy and in New York just didn't find its way into the California narrative. And I think that matters. Full disclosure for listeners, Elizabeth and I used to work together in the Brown administration, though we passionately disagree on many things, usually by text, so yes. there's no, uh, no collusion here. Um, I can always count on Elizabeth to strongly disagree with me. Elizabeth, you've worked on a lot of crisis issues over the years. Briefly tell us what was a major crisis you dealt with and what was the biggest lesson you learned from it? Sure. Um, well, I, you know, I, 
I worked on the wildfire response in California in 2007 and 2008, first in communications for Governor Schwarzenegger and then as chief deputy for cabinet. And, um, you know, that was a situation where massive displacement of humans and thousands of fires and it was terrifying. And what I learned right away is that nothing will suck time like um, two departments or two agencies trying to talk to one another. It's just you have this time suck that comes um, with interdepartmental, intergovernmental communications. And so I think and, and I and I I wish I was a you know fly on the wall within the horseshoe because I would love to sort of hear how this was reconciled in this administration because the perception has been very much that there is collaboration and there is a lot of talking. At that time, we had to literally get together the heads of Cal Fire, CHP, and the National Guard to ask them to please talk to one another because you had highway patrolmen handing out water and you had National Guardsmen directing traffic and it just didn't make any sense. And that put together some of the joint incident command protocols that you even see today. So, you know, what did I learn? You know, don't waste time on that sort of stuff. Get people in the room, force them to talk to each other like adults and force them to make decisions together that they're mutually accountable for because that's the only way you get government to move quickly. That's, that's just not government's forte. Joe, how about you? A crisis and what you learned from it? I, I refer to it at the top of the call, but I was uh, cabinet secretary um, during the Northridge earthquake, which uh, leveled uh, parts of Los Angeles. And what Governor Wilson did was he changed the way we uh, issue contracts for um, highway construction because he had under emergency powers, you have a lot of flexibility. And so he uh, let out contracts and the co uh, asked for bids for not only how much would it cost to fix the freeway but on what day would you deliver that uh, reopen freeway and included a bonus for every day where you met the deadline and we were so far ahead of the deadlines for all these freeways that we actually feared that we would get attacked in the press for quote wasting money on these bonuses so overpaying to open a freeway faster so i had to ask our economist at the office of planning research to prepare a document that said that there was a return on investment from this outlay of several million dollars you know per, per freeway so what i learned from that was uh, the importance of picking your targets where they're going to have the most impact and also harnessing california brain power harnessing power outside of the governor's office because this idea came to us from a team of economists and others that uh, were uh, run by former Secretary of State George Schultz. This wasn't an idea that we got through stakeholders or interest groups or, frankly, from our own employees that came in from the outside. Steve, there were no crises in the Davis administration, were there? Yeah, I can't remember one. <laughs> <laughs> Although there was one that I do remember, and that is the energy crisis, which was the largest, most all-consuming, I think, three-year crisis that I lived through and still shiver when I have to think about it. Um, you know, and from that, there was a few things, and actually, I think they applied to this governor a little bit in that we had no idea what was really going on and had no control out of the external factor. Now, we know there was Enron, but we didn't at the time. And uh, one of the many lessons was, A, you got to work with the legislature. Um, we were constantly battling John Burton, a member of our own party, about policy. Um, and I think, you know, we, we saw a little flash of that with Newsom and some of the contracts here during this crisis. Um, and I think he's let his guard down a little bit there. And that's something you must do when you're a governor. 
Uh, I think, as Elizabeth pointed out, you have to work with the government you have. And during this crisis, there were so many agencies, some so obscure that we never heard about, that had a piece of the pie and were appointed by previous governors and were not cooperative. <laughs> and you know, getting and, and rodeoing all those people together, uh, hurting them, was, was almost impossible at times. But uh, the biggest lesson for me with that was, you know, don't reflect too much on the lights going out, but be proactive and do something that you can show you're doing something. In our case, it was expediting, permitting, having a conservation strategy, continuing to try to move forward and not dwelling on the problem so much. And uh, I think Newsom has adapted a little bit of that strategy with this crisis. So you of all three advise California governors, you all three have experience with crisis. If you're sitting in the horseshoe right now advising the governor at this point, what would be the plan going forward? What would be your top priority? And what would be your general strategy? Steve, we'll start with you. Yeah, I'd be go big uh, would be my strategy. I think he needs to return to where he was and be very strong and, and hit this crisis head on with very strict limits. I think we might see it from Garcetti in LA. You might as well go for the whole state when you can, except for some of those rural areas that where things weren't as bad and still aren't as bad as they were. I think he needs to really lay down the law and show there's going to be enforcement of some of these things you're going to say. And, and use that big stick that he can carry around with him and enforce some of the things he said he needs to do. Joe? Well, there's a lot we still don't know, uh, you know uh, about, about this virus. Uh, David Brooks on PBS NewsHour a couple weeks ago said every American is now have to, has to become an amateur epidemiologist, which is um, a bad problem. Um, I would say we need some clarity on what is going on. We need a clarity on what is community spread that all of us can help uh, uh, stem. And then what is, uh, I don't know, how, what's the opposite of a community spread, but what's the, what is the nursing home situation and how do we get that under control? What is the prison situation? How do, you know, we, we're hearing, I'm reading that small number of events create a large number of infections. So that's the problem we want to focus on. We can get more people working and we can also stop the spread of the virus. So Gil, you earlier mentioned you praised the governor for using some hotel rooms for to house the homeless. And that actually is a mixed record on, on that. Um, you know, there's not as many rooms being used as, as in, in, and as if, you know, in Sacramento is, in all major cities still have a, a severe homeless problem. It doesn't look like there's been much of a dent. But those rooms could be deployed, I would think, in a creative strategy to contain the virus around uh, people who are working in public transit who are, who are at risk of exposure, people who are living in multi-generational households in Orange County where there is a problem, people who are working around nursing homes, people working around prisons. And so it seems to me that we need some AI or, or some big data applied to this problem so we can say, okay, if we spend our energy focusing on, on these, these spots and these interactions, we are, are able to curb the spread of the virus and um, and not and let other people go back to work. I think that's the moment that we're in. And in, in a way, the governor needs to throw away the PowerPoint and, and start using the laser pointer. Elizabeth, we're going to leave it with you. Yeah, um, I think the single thing I'd be focused on is reopening schools. And I'm biased. I have a six-year-old and I don't know if anybody else on the call has school-aged children, but 
you know, I have to say that from my perspective as a parent, it's a disaster as a working parent, and it's definitely a disaster for kids. Um, you know, the, the, the fact is we do know a bit about the virus. We know that children um, don't, for the most part, get it severely. We know that they're lower transmission risk um, because of the little lungs that they have. Um, and I've just been kind of shocked at the lack of creativity around schools. Um, not because um, I'm not sympathetic to the risks that it poses, but because we do have some information and we should be deploying that to mitigate those risks. So, you know, it's, it's drawing circles around, you know, vulnerable teachers and saying, you don't need to come in, you have underlying health conditions, or you're of an age where this puts you in a high risk category. So, you know, no harm, no foul, but, you know, you can find teachers that, um, just may not have those kind of, of risks associated, um, folks who've already had it. Um, but the fact is, is that this is just going to be a rolling disaster over the next nine months if they don't figure it out. Because, you know, what you're going to have is more and more metrics about the impact of this on children and on working parents. And that just becomes a much bigger, bigger, bigger news story that will have to be dealt with for the remainder of the administration. So that's where I would be laser focused. And you know, if something that's even more, you know, that's a big, that's a big thing to tackle. Um, I, I also want to point out that California weather plus facilities that are enormous, like the Rose Bowl, it feels like we could do something outside. Um, but, you know, and then there's nursing homes and, you know, a society where all of our elderly people have died has failed. So full stop, right? And so, you know, how difficult can it be to, with all of the money and the brain trust of this state, as Joe pointed out, how difficult can it be to figure out really good plans to keep people in these places alive. Um, I, that's where I would be, honestly, at this point. I would not be focused on staggering, you know, doing, you know, haircuts outside. I mean, if you can get a haircut outside, you can teach my six-year-old to read outside. Elizabeth Ashford, Steve Maviglio, Joe Redota, thanks for joining us here at California Nation.